0: All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. If I keep ending up in Romans, we might as well just do a sermon series through it, right? It'll be a while before I do that. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18. If you're there, say word. If you're not, say hold up. Don't be be afraid. We'll wait on you. All right, go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Romans 8, verse 18. We're going to read through to verse 25. For I consider For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. Father God, this is a heavy text. Lord, I pray that as we go into this time, that you would use me as you see fit. That you would open up our eyes and our hearts to the truth of your word, to the glories of your, of your promises. God help us this morning. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last year, I remember, I forgot who I told. It might have been Colby, Vincent, Adam, or Leto. But I said last year, just wait. 2020 Churches are going to come out in January with this new Bible study called Vision 2020. But when we look at the vision of 2020, we never would have thought in 2019 or even in January of 2020 that we would be dealing with what we've dealt with this year. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about everything that we've dealt with this year. I'm talking about what you've dealt with this year. You can look back over this past year. You can see the types of suffering you've had to undergo, the types of trials you've had to undergo. And it's been hard. Can I say that 2020 has been a hard year? As a as a pastor, it's been a hard year. Trying to decide when to go inside, trying to decide when to go outside, trying to decide how to handle mask mandates, trying to decide when to go back into Sunday school, trying to decide how to continue discipling you, trying to figure out how to continue pastoral care when I can't even really come and see you sometimes. And then we have people in our church. I'm thinking of church members who haven't seen their wife since March because she's in a nursing facility and they've been on lockdown. Thinking of families in this church who have lost loved ones this past year and to lose a loved one in 2020 during COVID was difficult because it was probably hard to go and see them. The struggles we've endured in 2020. I mean, like we tend to wonder why are these things happening? And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm getting tired of hearing about the problems of 2020. Because it just seems like it's one thing after another. We've got politicians and media trying to incite fear in people. We've got people that won't even leave their houses because they're afraid 2020 is not the year that people had envisioned. So I want to talk about this morning. Why is there suffering? And I want to talk about how we can have hope in that suffering. And I want to talk about how this ties in with Advent. Why is this important for Advent? Here's my main idea for this morning's message. It's this. The believer's hope. The believer's hope is in Christ's return. The believer's hope is in Christ's return. And that's what this text shows us. This text shows us suffering. This is a Romans 8 for one. I believe is and this is weird to say, but probably the best chapter out of the entire Bible. I mean, even though you really can't say like, well, this has is you know, it's hard to wait. You can't do that because all of all of God's word is on the same level. But Romans eight, when you read it, it's so rich. So good. One of my favorite verses is Romans eight, twenty eight. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then even following for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified that golden chain of salvation. Romans 8 is beautiful. But the passage we're looking at, the text we're looking at comes after 17. Paul is talking here in 17 and he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we as believers, we provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. There is a sense of suffering for the believer. Church, let me tell you, Christianity is not an easy out for suffering. Believing in Christ does not mean we will not suffer. It just means that we will be saved from the wrath of God. But more than that, our suffering is not pointless. In Romans 8, we see three groanings, but I'm only going to talk about two of them. We see the groaning of creation. We see the groaning of the church. And then we see the groaning of the spirit. We're not going to talk about the groaning of the spirit this morning. I just want to focus on the groaning of creation and the groaning of the church. So verse 18 really sets us up for that main idea that I've got. The believer's hope is in Christ's return. Why? Because I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is not saying, I consider in the sense of, you know, I've thought about it and I really feel like, you know, you know, I really think that the glory is going to be better than our suffering. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, I've weighed the evidence and I know for certain that the glory that will be revealed to us is far greater than any suffering that we can endure. And 2020 has been a year of suffering. Paul is not just talking about the suffering of being in persecution. Paul is not just talking about the suffering of being in obedience to God's word. Paul is giving a generalized idea of suffering. We're talking about cancer. We're talking about racism, murder. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about depression and anxiety. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about death. We're talking about suffering. You depressed yet? I mean, does this seem a little gloomy? We're going to get to the hope. I promise. But here we see in verse 19, we see the groaning of creation. That's my first point. We see the groaning of creation 19 for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Why is creation groaning? First off, what is what is Paul talking about creation? He's talking about all of earth. He's talking about the, the pains, the suffering. Why is creation itself? He's personifying Creation, there is a type of pain in our world. Why? Because firstly, under number one, firstly, sin has invaded it. Why is the world suffering? Why is the world groaning? Because sin has invaded it. We look at Genesis 1 and we look at all creation and, and God creates all these things and it's, it, it is what? It is good. But we see that this good creation in Genesis 1 has turned into a groaning creation in Genesis 3. Because what happens? Adam and Eve, they look at the fruit, they see it as more delightful and more precious than God Himself. And they take of it, they rebel. Creation has fallen. It's sad we only get two chapters of a good creation. Two chapters. And then Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Revelation, you see a groaning creation. Why? Because first sin has invaded it. Look at verse 21. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. Some of your translations have a bondage to decay. Church, sin is killing this world. It's like a virus. We're all doctors now. I mean, we've all been studying this coronavirus. But we know when a virus comes into our system and it attacks us, we feel kind of cruddy. Right? Anybody here, any men in here endure that man cold? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We got the sniffles and we can't walk. Honey, can you get me a glass of OJ? I can't breathe. (laughs) Y'all know that man cold, right? Man up. Sin has invaded like a virus and they're groaning. That's the first reason why the creation is groaning. Second reason why creation is groaning is because futility has been subjected to it. Look at verse 20. Back it up. For the creation was subjected to futility. Creation was what was placed under a curse. It was because man had rebelled. But But Paul tells us who put the curse on creation. Who did it? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Was it Adam? Was it Satan who placed creation under futility? No, because there's a reasoning why creation was placed under futility. It's the last two words of verse 20. It was placed under futility in hope. Adam wouldn't have done that. Adam was selfish. Satan surely wouldn't have done that. God did it. What do I mean? Because man rebelled and disobeyed God, the punishment for that rebellion was the curse on the earth. But understand that God didn't do this just to punish us. He did this. With his aim to redeem. In hope, he placed us under a curse. God has put the natural world under a curse because of the rebellion of man. It was God's terms. Why? He did this so that we may see the horrors of sin and be pointed to the hope of restoration. What does sin mean? Show us. What does what does suffering show us? It points us to something greater. I remember back in March or April, we're like, man, we just want 2020 to be over with. Well, Guess what? It's about to be over with and it's rolling into 2021. And I don't know if you feel like me, but I'm just anticipating the end to COVID-19, I'm anticipating the end to these regulations. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating the end to this political divide we have. I'm anticipating the end to racism. I'm anticipating the end to cancer. And death. But all this suffering in our world is pointing us to something greater. It's showing us that there has to be something Greater. Because if this is all there is, I don't want it. I believe it was C.S. Lewis once said that earth is the closest thing to heaven that any unbeliever will ever receive. And earth is the closest thing to hell that any believer will receive. The suffering of this world, this is not heaven. Heaven. Futility has been subjected to it. This world is under a curse. That's why creation is groaning. And thirdly, creation is groaning because God has a destiny for it. Look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That's what my translation says. Now, We hear if you're in a hospital and you hear pains, you hear groanings, it's either going to be somebody dying or somebody giving birth. Right. Thankfully, we see creation is groaning like a woman giving birth. Now, I've been in the delivery room twice. It is terrifying and exciting all at the same time. Because out of nowhere, (laughs) out of nowhere, there is a. Another human being. And that human being changes your life and continues to do today. Jaden, get your feet off the pew. <laughs> God has a destiny for it because the pains of this world, it's like a mother giving birth. Why? Because we see that the pains in this world are leading To new life. That's what Paul is saying here. The pains of this world is leading to a new life. God has a destiny for this world. Let's keep going. Not only do we see the groaning of creation, but secondly, we see the groaning of the church. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. Who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Why are Christians groaning? Why is the church groaning? Because firstly, sin has invaded our lives. Sin has invaded our lives. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. All have sinned. Secondly, not only has sin invaded our lives, but as the church, we see that Christ is more precious. How do we see that Christ is more precious? Because we have that first fruits of the spirit. I love that. I had to do a little bit more study on that. The first fruits of the spirit. What is that? We see that the first fruits of the spirit. It is a deposit that God has given to us. It is a down payment that God has given to us as believers. We have the first fruits of the spirit. We're not we're not truly redeemed completely yet. We're still awaiting that redemption that we see in verse 23. 4 and 25. I'm sorry, verse 23. The redemption of our bodies. Second Corinthians 5, the Spirit has, and this is not me quoting it, but the Spirit has given us a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And what are we as believers anticipating? We're anticipating that final installment. <laughs> We're anticipating that completion. Anybody here ever paid off their house? It's a nice feeling, right? I can't wait. (laughs) 20 more years. Woo! But see, for the church, they see that Christ is more precious. That's why they're groaning. They have this first fruit of the Spirit. They've been transformed. They're drawn to Christ. Paul tells us in Philippians 3.8, check this out. Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. There was John Piper said that in in, in in all matters of loss in a believer, Christ is more precious. No matter what we lose in this life, Christ is still more precious We cling to him, and understand that in Christ all our suffering points to something greater. So we see, we see the groaning of creation, and we see the groaning of church. Where is our hope? Where is our hope? This is where Advent comes in. This is where I've been praying about this this week. You can ask my wife. I wrestled with, with. I had a message, and this is why I love expository verse-by-verse preaching. I just go to the next text, but when it comes to topical sermons, I'm like, I've got a word I want to say, but I've got to find the scripture that'll do it. And I believe this word does it. Because in a world full of suffering and pain, in a world of 2020, our hope is in the one who has entered this suffering world to suffer for us. Do you see what I'm saying? Advent is where we remember the first Advent, the first appearance, the first coming of Christ and anticipate the second coming. How is there hope with Christ in the first coming? Because he was willing to enter this suffering world for us. He left heaven. The son of God stepped down from glory to step into our suffering. Do you see the grace there? He stepped into this world to take on human flesh, to take on human weaknesses so that he can suffer. Truly God and truly man. So where is the hope in 2020? The hope is in the one who stepped into our suffering world to suffer for us. We see in John one five the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We we serve a God who has a plan of redemption and in, in where He sends Himself as light in darkness. We see Jesus as the one who has come not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love what Titus two does. Uh, Paul tells Titus in Titus two eleven, he calls he he calls the first appearance of Christ an appearance of grace. Christ. The Son stepping into our suffering as an act, an appearance of grace for the salvation of all people. Not universalism, all peoples, all nations, for anyone who will put their faith in Him. Church, do you hear what I'm saying? The hope of Advent is the one who has stepped into our world. To suffer for us. So, how do we have this hope? We embrace Christ. Verse 24 and 25: For in this hope we were saved. What hope? The hope that Christ is one day going to finalize those adoption papers where he's going to redeem our bodies. Where one day we are going to be face to face with him. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. How else do we have hope? Not only by embracing the one who entered the suffering world to suffer for us, but by holding on to the spirit who empowers us. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We already have that power over sin through the Spirit. As we wait in this world, as we anticipate the coming of Christ, the Spirit empowers us to endure, to persevere, to continue moving. The world can see what kind of faith you have by how you react to suffering. Can I say that again? I think we need to hear that. The world can see what kind of faith you have by how we react to our suffering. How should we react? By trusting in the Spirit who empowers us. Titus 2.12, we see that the appearance of grace has come for the salvation of all people. And in Titus 2.12, Paul says for the training to renounce ungodliness and worldly lusts so that we may be godly how do we live in this world of suffering as godly people as we await Titus 2:13 the appearance of glory Christ's return See, we're in this already but not yet phase as the church. That's why we're groaning. We're homesick. This isn't the world for us. What did I say one time? We're on a religious visa. This is not our world. We are not for a world of suffering, a world of pain. We are for a world that is set free from that bondage. We anticipate that world. Our hope is in the one who entered this suffering world to suffer for us. Our our hope is by trusting in the Spirit to empower us. And our hope is knowing that Christ will return as our blessed hope to make all things new. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we wait for it with patience. I believe it was, um, oh man, Warren Weersby. Got to be careful saying that name. Um, I believe it was him who said that we have a, uh, we are, we are to be eagerly patient and have a patient eagerness. Whatever that means. I thought it was cool, but we are, we have this eager patience. we, we know that, 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 that it's coming. We know that Christ is returning. That's our, that's our blessed hope that Titus 2.13 shows us. Our blessed hope is in the return of Christ, where he will make all things new, where he will, he will redeem our bodies, where he will eradicate not just disease, not just pain, not just suffering, but sin. Understand, I do believe COVID is a real virus. My family right now is in a little bit of pain. My great uncle passed away yesterday because of COVID. I didn't know him, but my dad did. I do believe there's a real virus, but understand, church, there is a greater virus. That's the virus of sin. And we await for the day that God will eradicate it. Titus 2, 11 through 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That was the text I was going to preach this morning. The church, we have a message of hope. And the hope is in the fact that this is not all there is. That there will come a day when suffering will end. That there will come a day when sin will end. And there will come a day where we will worship with Christ face to face. As he wipes away every tear. Church, there will come a day where there is no more pain and suffering, and that's where our hope is. I hope that's where your hope is. And until that time, we groan, we groan, but we wait eagerly and patiently. And we do that because we have a mission, and that mission is to share that hope to the rest of this world. What better day for the church than today we don't know what tomorrow holds we don't know what 2021 holds i know people are eager for 2021 but what i do know is that god holds it he knows what's to come and he's got a plan for the church and he's got a destiny for the world let's pray father god we are thankful for your word We are thankful that there is no such thing as pointless suffering. We are thankful, God, that you are working out all things for your glory and for our good. Lord, help us as we groan, as we wait, as we are eager and patient. Help us to trust in you. Help us to look forward to that day as we do. Help us to know that that promise is certain that you are coming back. Help us, Lord, as we as we seek to live in this world and to be used by you to share that message of hope that there, this is not all there is, that there is a glory that is far greater than this suffering that will be revealed to us. Help us be encouraged by that. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.